0: from the Lord. I, for for one, am thankful for the little bit cooler weather. Uh, I was getting tired of the hundreds and the nineties every day, and uh, it's just a good uh, change of pace. uh, If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to uh, the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12 we're going to look at uh, this entire chapter this morning uh, thinking about um, what it means. Last week we began this series of messages talking about it's time to push the reset button. That you know, There's times in all of our lives as God's children where you know, we just get bogged down and the, you know, we don't feel as close to the Lord as we did at one time, or maybe we're not serving the Lord like we used to. And the problem is not that God's moved. The problem is we've moved. And so the answer is for us to get back closer to the Lord. But thankfully, that's a short trip. Because uh, when we take that first step of faith and, and come back, the Lord brings us the rest. He meets us the rest of the way. Um, And so uh, Paul, in Romans chapter 12, tells us what that looks like when we do that. And so let's take a look at God's word this morning and see exactly what he has to say to us. Verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, But all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophecy in the proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching and he who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor giving preference uh, to one another not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints and giving to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things which are in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will reap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What an important, and there's a lot of stuff that we can unpack in uh, these 21 verses. And I want to suggest to us this morning uh, that Paul gives us a recipe of what it means that we push that reset button and want to have a fervent, alive relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Can I tell you that the, the answer that we need for most of the issues that we face in life is not more money. It's not a change in scenery. It's not you know, different this or different that, the answer of what we need most of the time is to allow the Lord to work in our life and to depend on Him and to to see. And, you see, when we put our, our focus on the things of this world, we're in trouble. It will give you ulcers and make you very depressed to watch... Uh, You know, I think we do need to be aware of what's going on in our world, but this 24-hour news uh, that we have now is not healthy and good. Um, You know, and so, um, yes, we need to know, but we also need to know what's going on and be able to relate it to what, what God's doing in this world and what God's Word has to say. Because really what this world needs is not more agreements and not more money and not more stuff. This world needs more Jesus. And it's not just being cliché when I say that. That really is what the answer for this world's problems is, is turning to God and letting God work in our life. But friend, how on earth can the world do that unless it sees the church doing it? The church oftentimes, unfortunately is an excuse for a lot of people not to be in church and not to believe in God. Mahatma Gandhi is quoted oftentimes famously as saying, I could almost be a Christian, except I know some. And there's a lot of people that feel that way. Maybe people in your family or in your workplace or in your neighborhoods. And they need to see your life they need to see you leaning on jesus and they need to see jesus transforming your life because what's going to change and transform this world is not us throwing money at problems you would think you know in our world we have learned that lesson by now but we haven't any problem comes up, what do we usually, our first response is, well, let's throw some money at it. And I tell you, most of the time, money only makes problems worse. It very rarely solves any of them. Because money or resources is not what the problem is. It might be a symptom, but it's not what the problem is. And so Paul says, you know what, if you want to have this vibrant relationship with Jesus, it means you've got to reset some things that you do. And the first thing that he says is, you know what, you need to reset your worship. He says, listen, I want you, he says, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, thankfully, we don't have to bring sacrifices and, you know, sprinkle blood on altars uh, like they did in the Old Testament because Jesus Christ is our once and for all sacrifice. He shed his blood for us. And his perfect, innocent blood uh, sets us right before God or justifies us. So he says in the New King James says this is your reasonable service a lot of the more modern translations put this is your acceptable worship and that really is what the idea Paul's trying to get across is our worship how we worship God or don't worship God affects us and it affects our testimony It affects our walk. You see, the truth of the matter is everybody worships something. Even atheists that deny there's a God worships something. Because every human being is made in God's image and is hardwired to worship. But because we also have this bent towards sin, we're very prone to worship the wrong things. And even in church, sometimes we worship the wrong thing. And so Paul says, realize this, it's not about you. And it's not about what you want. It's not about what you like. It's about serving God. And not just serving God, but serving God together. And hearing from God together. In the 90s, there was this big uh, worship wars where the big... Bruhaha, and whether we had drums in the church, whether we sing new songs or old songs. And I tell you that as the church was arguing and fighting about those things, Satan was laughing. And he was having a heyday because when we're arguing about those things that don't matter, Satan's winning. And when we understand that worship's not about us and it's not whether we have drums or whether we even have music at all, but that worship is for us, telling God he alone is worthy of our praise and giving him that praise. It doesn't matter if we do it with the piano or drums or guitar or a uh, harp. And by the way, you read the Old Testament, you read the New Testament. God loves music and he loves instruments. And there's drums in the Bible. There's cymbals in the Bible. There's harps and guitars in the Bible. So all of those things, I think, have biblical precedence that we can use those things in our worship, but we must not worship those things. And it's not about what we want. So he says, remember that we're like, uh, our body has a lot of different parts. Your body has hair and skin and eyes and a tongue and arms and fingers and toes and feet. All those things are necessary. But every part of your body has a different function, but it's an important function. Can you live without an arm? Yeah, you can live without an arm, but it's not going to be as efficient and effective as it would be if you had both your arms. And they worked. And so Paul says, you know what? The body of Christ is like that. Every one of us, every person that makes up the church, is an important part of the body. And Christ is the head of that body. And so, the the head kind of determines how the rest of the body works and functions, doesn't it? Your brain tells your body, you don't have to think about breathing. and You don't have to think about making your heart beat. Because your brain is designed by God This automatically sends impulses, and it just works. And so you breathe, and your heart beats. So your cells throughout your body get oxygen and the blood that they need, and everything's working and coasting along together. So Paul says, you know what, you've got to reset worship and understand that God desires us. He doesn't want our money, he doesn't want our stuff, he wants us. And he wants all of us, because the reality is, uh, the Bible says, listen, if Jesus only has part of us, he really doesn't have any of us. And so if Jesus Christ is going to be our Lord and Savior, then we've got to say, Lord, you have every part of me. And when we're willing to say that, and when we put worship in the right place and understand who we worship is not us, and it's not the preacher, and it's not a church building, and it's not a piano or a guitar or anything else, what we worship, if we're... Doing worship the right way is God Almighty. And God is the one that receives the worship. And uh, the, book, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. God loves to hear from you. Unfortunately, so often we get so busy and so caught up in doing stuff that we forget that God wants to hear from us and we forget that if we're going to be what God wants us to be we've got to keep him in the right place and that's first place not second or third or 20th place and as I said last week when we put God at first place everything else has a way of falling into place. Doesn't mean that it's always easy and things are perfect if you're walking with God. But it does mean that eventually things do work out. Uh, sometimes there are struggles. And we talked about that in Sunday school this morning. We looked at uh, chapter 5 of Romans. And Paul says that tribulation that comes in child of God's life. Produces patience or perseverance. In other words, helps us to know that God is faithful. If the only time we worship or think about God is on Sunday morning, we're not doing it right. Do we come together as God's people on Sunday and worship? Yes, we do. And I believe that's what the Bible instructs us to do. But we are also called to Be God's children and to worship God on Monday morning when we head to work. And on Friday afternoons when we're heading to the high school football game. And even on Saturday when we're watching the college football games. Whatever we find ourselves to do, God does with us. And so Paul reminds us as church, he said, listen, You've got to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, remembering it's not about you and what you want, but what God wants for you. And you can't possibly know and hear what God wants for you if you're not in his presence. But then Paul also says, not only do you need to look at your worship and make sure it's what it's supposed to be and that you're worshiping the right things and in the right way, he also tells us the second thing I want to say is that we reset our thinking. You see, the child of God and a child of this world think differently. It is oftentimes when we say, I don't understand why this world is in such a mess. And we're not supposed to understand. And there's people that are, you know, just as heathen as heathen can be. We ought to be disagreeing with them. And we ought to behave differently. We ought to think differently. How this world thinks is that, hey, listen, you've got to always look out for number one. And number one is you. And it doesn't matter who you have to rob or cheat or step on or backstab. Just as long as you get ahead, that's what matters and that's okay. That's the way the world works. Well, that is not how the child of God should think. So Paul says in verse 2, he said, I want you to be not conformed to this world, but you be transformed by the renewing of your minds. You let God change you. And by the way, one of the most important ways he does that is through our engagement in Christ-honoring worship. When we come together as God's people corporately and when you individually come and you pray or and you sing praises to God, and you look in God's Word, which we should be doing individually, because that helps feed our corporate worship together. When we do that, God is changing us. And He's helping us to think differently. He's helping us think the way God thinks. And God's thinking is much different than ours. And so he says, I don't want you to be like the world. I want you to be different. We should not fit into the mold of this world. The mold that we should fit into is the mold of Christ. And Paul said earlier in this book, in Romans chapter 8, We all know verse 28, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. But you can't understand the truth of verse 28 unless you also look at verse 29. It says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's desire is for you to be molded in to the image of Jesus Christ. God's desire is for you to think and act as Jesus thought and acted. How did Jesus think? He said, you know what? It's not my will, Father, but yours be done. He said in John 13, he said, you call me Lord and Master, and you say correctly, for that's what I am. And they said, if I have done this for you, you also ought to do it for one another. So part of this transformation process and the reset process is changing our thinking. And understanding that a child of God thinks and behaves differently than this world. And so if we're behaving, and we're thinking, and we're acting like this world, there's a problem. And Paul says very bluntly, stop it. Quit it. Knock it off. Do not be like this world, but allow God to change you. So he says in Philippians 4.8, he said, Find the things that are lovely and good and praiseworthy, And you think on those things. Let the peace of God dwell in you richly, the Bible says. So understand that, yes, we need to reset our worship, making sure that we are worshiping the right person. And that person ain't you. And it's not your spouse, and it's not your kids, and it's not your pastor. It's Jesus. So Paul reminds us, he says, listen, reset your worship. Reset your thinking. And by the way, that's an ongoing process. That this side of heaven, we've not arrived. As long as you've got breath, God is changing you and working on you, conforming you to the image of his son. That when you get to heaven, he doesn't have to go to the book of life to see if your name's written in He looks at you and says, yep. I see the family resemblance. He's one of mine. She's one of mine. And so we need to reset our thinking. But then Paul gets very practical. and He says, you know what? You need to reset your behaviors. You need to understand that if you're a child of God and you're allowing God to be a spark in your life and you've got this vibrant relationship with God, not only are you going to worship God Differently than this world does, and you're going to think differently than this world does. You're going to behave differently than this world does. And so he goes on, and he gives a long list. And one of the most, he said, "Listen, one of the most important things you need to do is you need to serve." The gospels, uh, in the gospels, Jesus said, "Listen, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve." I've already mentioned John 13 where Jesus said, If I've come and I've served you, then you ought to serve one another. Paul echoes that same sentiment here in Romans chapter 12. He says, Whatever gifts God has given to you, use them. If God has given you the gift of teaching, then teach. If He's given you the gift of exhortation, exhort. Whatever gift He's given you, serve others because as we're serving others we're reminding ourselves it's not about me and what i want it's not about my comfort and what i get out of it do you get things out of serving others absolutely you do and i dare say that i can tell you you get more out of serving others than serving yourself it's much more fulfilling in the long term and so he says, I want you to serve others. Look, at, look out for and think about the needs and the, the well being of other people, not just yourself. He said, Prefer the brethren. In other words, he wants us to remember that we're all part of each other. We're part, of, so often though, we are so individualized, especially in America, it's all about me in my way but god says no it's not about you it's about me meaning jesus and it's about all of you collectively coming together as the body of christ and so he says listen prefer one another love one another pray for one another Be patient with one another. He says also, not only do you need to serve one another, you need to hate and stay away from things that are wrong. And I don't think you children of God need me to give you a list. If you do, you come see me afterwards. I'll help you make a list. But I think we all know the things that God's word say we shouldn't do and that we need to stay away from. Guess what? You need to stay away from those things. He says cling, in other words, that's uh, hold on to and not let go to the things that are good. Well, guess what? If you're clinging to something, you can only cling to one thing at a time. And so if you're clinging to Christ, you're not clinging to the things of this world. And if you've got one hand on... The world in one hand on Christ, you ain't clinging to either. and you're in trouble," James says a, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so he says, "Listen, stay away from the bad stuff. Cling to that which is good. Serve God. He mentions that a couple times in this chapter. And then he says, and this is a test of how we really know if we're being changed. Not that we're just loving the brethren, but that we're concerned about and not acting out against our enemies and those that hate us and those that, you know, have done us wrong. Jesus said, you know what? The answer to overcoming evil is not being evil. He says in verse 21, You overcome evil by doing good. And not just good to your body of believers, but doing good to your enemies as well. He says, If one of your enemies is hungry, feed him. And if he's naked, clothe him. And by the way, that's not Jesus' words. That's an Old Testament passage that Jesus quotes. So he says, as much as is possible, live peaceably with everyone. As much as it is upon you. In other words, as as it has to do with you, live in peace with everyone. We all know that's not always possible, but Paul says, as much as it lays with you, you can't determine what anybody else does, but you can determine what you do. And so you determine that you're going to do what's right. And you're going to say, you know what, Lord, help me. Because the reality is unless we are resetting our worship and we understand that it's not about us and we're coming to worship corporately and we're worshiping individually as well and we're working on resetting our thinking by the rejuvenating power of the Holy Spirit of God and we're letting that impact our daily life, we're not going to see it. But if these things are being done and we're... It will change us. It will reset our life. It will make God much nearer and alive to us. Why? Because we're closer to him than we were. And we're clinging to him. Listen, you've got to be near somebody to cling to him. Or near to something to cling to it. And so Paul says, hate and stay away from, abhor that which is evil, and cling to that which is good. When we're doing these things, and we're being renewed by, day by day, then God's alive to us. There's always seasons when it seems like we're distant from God, or that He's distant from us. But the reality is that God is right where he's always been and it's us that's moved but the way back to him is a short road simply calling out to him saying Lord restore to me the joy of your salvation like David did and by the way there's times in every child of God's life where we have to do that to call out God and say God forgive me And God, restore to me the joy of salvation. Listen, the life of a child of God is not perfect and it's not easy street. But it is blessed street. It is blessed to walk with the Lord and to have God on your side. So if you're a child of God, you need to worship God and God alone. And remember, worship's important. You need to allow God to change your thinking. And you need to allow that to infiltrate through your behaviors. Because until it's reflected in your actions, you really haven't been changed, and you, really don't, you don't really believe something if it doesn't impact how you behave. All of you believed this church was going to have church at 11 o'clock this morning so guess what? You came, and I'm glad that you did. It wasn't just that you believed it. There are lots of people that know and they believe it. I understand 11 o'clock every Sunday morning at 2412 Upper Drive in Pearl, Mississippi, a church meets. But you really believe it because you acted on it. You said, you know what, because they're there, I'm going to go. I'm going to show up. If we really believe something, it impacts our behaviors. And so it not only is about changing our thinking by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's allowing God to work and empower us to change how we behave so that we're serving others and we're loving others, even our enemies. And that makes all the difference in the world. I pray that God will help us in that. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. God, thank you that you do give us opportunities to push that reset button. And Lord, we've talked about tonight, this morning, that we need to often take time to reset our worship, to make sure you're at the center of it, and that we're worshiping you and worshiping you alone. Lord, that we are changing our thinking because you are transforming us and renewing us day by day. And, Lord, that that needs to be reflected in how we behave, our actions, what we do. Lord, help us to see Jesus Christ in us as we live our life, as we go throughout our day. May those around us see that there's something different inside of us. May they be able to see your light and that you're working on us. And you can help them as well. Help us, we pray, Lord, to depend upon you. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this old hymn of invitation, Search Me, O God. And by the way, it's not something we just sing on a Sunday, but listen, I'm going to tell you every day we should be saying this. Lord, search me and know me. God, I want to know you, and I want to be who you want me to be, and if there's something in my life that shouldn't be there, Lord, make it evident to me. But here's the thing, when we're a living sacrifice, when God points something out to us, He says, all right, this is an area, then we say, Lord, here this thing is, you take it and we give it to the Lord, and leave it there. So let's sing together this